Francis, James, and we are here with Stick the Landing, where we are going to talk about the ends of movies and also the rest of the movie. <laughs> so the whole movie. So the whole movie. Great. Um, this is our first season of Stick the Landing, and this uh, this season we're going to be focusing on the 2017 films, is technically the 2018 nominations for Best Picture. Uh, this is our Darkest Hour episode. And it is our darkest hour in many ways, isn't it? In, in, as a nation. <laughs> as a nation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as film watchers, as Gary Oldman fans. <laughs> I, this is a good hour for Gary Oldman fans. It is a good hour for Gary Oldman fans. He had a blast with this movie. Um, he blasted it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, what, what did you think? This is your first time watching it, right? Uh, this was two hours and five minutes long. <laughs> yeah, it was. It happened. Uh, it was fun and silly, and Gary Oldman was magnetic as uh, Winston Churchill. Yeah, he was most active. One of our I would say. founding fathers. No, no, <laughs> no, not ours. Okay. Uh, we're we're going <laughs> to delete that. Okay, so we're going to. One of the four faces on Mount Rushmore. Oh, I hate you so much. Thomas Jefferson. Winston Churchill, mm-hmm. then regular Gary Oldman, okay. and then Gary Oldman and Sid and Nancy. All right. You got, you got that on your system? No. All right, cool. All right. So I guess we'll start off with the end of this movie. The whole mm-hmm. idea of this podcast is we want to know, does this movie stick the landing, right? Mm-hmm. Is the end of this movie good? Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people will look past that, and I can't. Uh, I thought the ending of this movie was fine. I think it stuck it. You, you think it stuck it? I think it I stuck think it. It ends on a really powerful speech um, that he gives to Parliament, which, quick side note, Parliament was lit. Yes. They were insane, that whole movie. Parliament was aggro. It was so aggro. That first scene with, I don't know the guy's name, he was going crazy, where he's just like, Neville, I will not follow you. It was nuts. When I saw the first Parliament scene at the beginning, it reminded me of the Requiem for a Dream scene, where they're throwing money on Yes, kind of. It's a room full of aggressive yeah. yelling older white men with That's a weird hair. parallel. Uh, it reminded me of a, like a like a rap battle in Britain. Mm-hmm. That's what I felt like was going on. And I felt in many ways that Winston Churchill was the Jennifer Connelly of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> this is no, oh, that's that's that is true. really dark. <laughs> well, the darkest hour. Yes. <laughs> okay. So the whole movie is just what two weeks that takes place mm-hmm. of it's his first two weeks as prime minister. Um and what a two weeks to walk into. I didn't know really much about Winston Churchill before this movie. No. Did, do you know anything about it? I, I, you went to school. I did not. I, I did go to school. I did have a, a passing familiarity with like kind of how British politics was working mm-hmm. during World War II. But I guess I didn't understand the political climate of like what was going on there at the time. Because I think in hindsight, Churchill's a very like revered monumental figure. Yeah, yeah. Even though he, I know, does have some problematic of the time views, but it is interesting to watch a movie where you see him as a generally unliked public figure. Yeah, he seemed kind of like a radical dude that not everyone was on board with. No, um, and I didn't, I didn't know that about him. Um, I guess that was interesting. This is a very typical um, Oscar movie. I think yes. this is like low hanging fruit for them. They're just, uh, it's a period piece. Joe Wright did it, so it seems kind of obvious that they would pick it. Um, I unfortunately had to watch it three times because <laughs> uh, I saw it in theaters and when we were 
getting the notion for this idea. I watched it like three or four weeks ago, and I had to refresh and watch it again. And I, I'm very done with this movie, um, but it's not bad. I'm not going to say it's a bad movie. I did when I got through it the first time. I said this was fun, but what if instead of two hours and five minutes, I watched it for six hours and fifteen? Yeah, minutes? that's what I did. <laughs> if I did that, you did. Well, yeah, five hour mark. I was like, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm all set with this. <laughs> Um, I did not love this movie. No, this it is my was, least favorite of all the nominations this year. I agree. I think um, the performances were fun, but it's kind of like, what if you got to see the less interesting parts of the King's speech? And also like, what if Dunkirk took place in a bedroom and you didn't see any of the action? Yeah, yeah this is very much like a side cool to Dunkirk <laughs> yes. that I didn't want to see. No. In a really and weird way. And also the King's speech for that matter. 100%, yeah. But okay, let me, let me go on a really quick <laughs> tangent here. Ben Mendelsohn is like the perfect pick to play King, what, George, Excellent. Henry, against whatever. Against type too. 100% against type because he's your go-to guy for like slimy villain. Mm -hmm. That's like what he lives for. And he played it in a very different way than Colin Firth did in very the different. speech. Yeah, 100 which is to his credit, that's awesome. He I had, thought he was amazing in this movie. He he's, had that redemption arc which, you know, you got, you know, at the I don't know, before the climax of the movie, I guess, but in the King's speech, you're so in the king's corner mm -hmm. that to see him like as the force kind of acting against winston churchill is interesting very interesting um ben mendelson has like a weird twang to his voice already mm -hmm. and then he kind of really subtly uses that stutter throughout the whole film yeah. and it's never overbearing i almost didn't notice that he had a stutter it was it was perfect i'm i'm a little bummed that he didn't get any kind of like supporting actor nods but we'll get into all the things that the oscar does Why don't wrong we run through kind of beat for beat how this movie ends okay because the movie climaxes uh, in a, a scene kind of parallel to the first third of it, mm -hmm. where Winston Churchill is giving a big speech to Parliament, who has largely been uh, against him, either hostile or just quietly anti. Uh, and he gives this rousing speech. It's a great speech. And then it, the movie ends like a high school comedy at the last day of school where all of parliament throws their papers up in the air and he walks out of the parliament. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like, the, like, it's like that scene in say anything where they're all throw. Yeah. It's, I was going to say weird the beginning of good burger where okay. King gets out of school. You're and going to some goes, weird places when you're comparing movies to darkest hour. Well, I always felt like if you, if you watched this movie front to back and then started good burger at the end <laughs> it's like it. it just leads right into it mm -hmm. struggle like a prequel for power to between burger. two warring factions so we're right now i just want to i want to be clear you and i are right now creating a cinematic universe involving christopher nolan's dunkirk yes uh the king's speech yes darkest hour yes and then good burger yes but i want to correct you and say that we are not uh creating the cinematic universe they began planning it in 1995 no, 1997, when with, Good Burger with came Good out. Burger. The, yeah, they started it then, and we're just kind of reminding everyone mm -hmm. to pay attention to the parallels. And yeah, it's all there. Mm -hmm. Okay, I hate you. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> the end of this movie, I thought was okay. I, I, yeah. I think it's really typical. I think that's a problem with a lot of these kind of like biopics set in yes. the past. That are, you know, like, every movie like this ends like this. You know what I mean? Bridge of Spies ends with the little text, mm -hmm. the post. Like, all these movies have this ending where I kind of, even Zodiac, yeah. which has one of the strongest endings ever, 
then it just kind of ends up being like, and then here's some facts that you don't need to whatever. Um, just to tie the you know the pretty ribbon mm-hmm. on top, which I don't need, you know, like no. I think if he had just stormed out of Parliament and then it just said directed by Joe Wright, I would have probably liked this movie like fifteen percent more. Sure. So I would have given it like a B, B, maybe B plus. I feel like this, the ending of this movie is kind of predicated on what they were going to focus on Winston Churchill's life, because you're catching a guy who's already ascended to power in one way, mm-hmm. and then you see his ascension to prime minister, but you don't really get to see how he deals with the rest of the war. No, not at which all. Which is arguably, uh, arguably the meat of his career. Uh, yeah. I mean, we were, we are seeing literally the infancy of his career yeah. as prime minister, and then it, then it ends. Um, so as far as getting a satisfying ending to this, like, you know, it's fine. Yeah. microcosm of his life, yeah. I, I was fine with it. Yeah, yeah. It's not as powerful as a lot of the movies that we're going to be talking about have mm-hmm. these endings. Um this movie came out in 2017, I think in like November. All the other, not all, we'll say most of the other movies, if not all, on this list that we're going to be going through, I think are movies that are really relevant. Yes. I, you know, Call Me By Your Name is set in like the 80s, but like it's mm-hmm. super relevant. You know, Lady Bird is a very relevant movie. Get Out was a huge hit. I just feel like this movie was like, you could have made it at any point in time and it, and it never would have mattered. Well, it's it's weird because the the underlying theme of the movie is this like anti-fascist right guy who is convincing a country that we need to combat fascism and not let Which it just should encroach. be very relevant. But they didn't really engage with it. He could have weaponized this movie so much yes. more and it would have been like I'm not going to go off on a tangent on another movie, but I just saw Black Klansman, and that is a movie that weaponizes something that happened in the past yes. to like kind of assault you and be like, wake up. Um, and it does it really masterfully, where this movie is just like, hey, you remember Winston Churchill? He Perhaps had a tough time. from an American director, they would have weaponized this story, but I Probably. think from a British director, yeah. uh, British folks have to go wild for this. You, I you think so? Because who, who is Winston Churchill's parallel in America? <sighs> who, who would we get this excited about? I mean, of the era, I think, I mean, FDR is the, the person he worked with. Yeah. But I think we saw with Hyde Park on Hudson that people are not going to treat FDR yeah. stories like a blockbuster. No, not th- I think, I think you got it. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> that's very correct. Um, I, I can't think of really, any, I think Winston Churchill is a really fascinating figure. Um, Keenan in Good Burger was the analog. Jesus. Yeah, okay. I'm on board. You asked who I'm not going to push against this. I'm going to let this happen. Um, another thing I wanted to touch on was Gary Oldman winning the Oscar yes. for lead actor. What is fascinating to me for that, and you might disagree, is that his latex jowls won two Oscars, both for best actor and for best makeup. Yeah, he got he got two Oscars just out of those little yeah one for each jowl. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> impressive. Um, this is another like like I said earlier, this is just easy fodder for the Oscars. I feel like to give him this this award um it there were some other performances this year which we'll get to that i was like just like hanging off of every word when they were on that screen Mm -hmm. and this is a really good performance um i think the more impressive stuff that he does in this movie are the more subtle moments yes Uh, my favorite scene in the whole movie is when he meets with uh the king 
to become prime minister. Yes. And it's just like these two guys standing in a room who don't want to work together. Extraordinarily uncomfortable. Really uncomfortable. When he's when he's like, do you have to take a nap? And he's like, yeah, I got to take a nap. It's, just it, like, it's the fate of the Western world. Yeah. And they're like, so does Tuesday work? Yeah, exactly. Or is yes. it more like a lunch thing? <laughs> and then they meet again at the end of the movie. Um, and Gary Oldman is like destroyed at this point. Because he's about to enter into these peace talks, he thinks, and then the king shows up and gives him kind of like a support, and you know, then the rest of the movie happens and it's fine. But that scene is intense, and Gary Oldman is doing a lot of intense stuff in this movie. Yes. But I think that that scene where he's very visibly drained and he's quiet and mumbling to his wife is the most powerful scene that he does in the whole movie. Um, you, you get a you lot of call this a big or a small performance from Gary Oldman because it is hard <laughs> to say. Some of it feels very well, broad and comedic. If you give this performance to anyone else, it's the biggest performance of their career. Yes, but Gary Oldman is the biggest actor probably mm-hmm. ever. He he never is quiet. I mean, no. you go go all the way back. Go to Leon the Professional. Mm-hmm. He's huge in that movie, uh, uh, The Fifth Element. He's yep. absurd. Like every single movie, he's just this big thing. This is one of his more quiet performances. Yes. And he's screaming a lot in this movie, and he's very big and covered in makeup and doesn't really look like himself, um, which I don't really know what he looks like, honestly. Between all the characters he plays, I have no idea what he really looks like. So I'm guessing not Winston Churchill since it was a makeup Oscar. A lot of, a lot of latex on his face for this one. It looked good. It did look good. It looked really good. I, I'll, I'll give him the Oscar for that, which... Just, both, that's, both of them. That's, both Oscars that's that confirmed now that I've given the Oscar. Won. Yes. Uh, I think Gary Oldman's in a unique position where he is a powerhouse character actor who can be the center of the movie as a character. You know, usually yeah, your, your character actors are off to the side. Like a you know, a Jeffrey Rush in the King's Speech who gets to play Perfect, yes. You know, in that's character, really but not the the even though he's the center of that movie, he's not the front of the movie. Yeah, and that's typically what Gary Oldman does. Yeah. This is one of the first times I think I've seen him where he's he's in that lead role. It's mm-hmm. Gary Oldman above, above the title, and the whole movie's about him. You know, he got to do it a little bit in, like, Tinker Tailor. He got to do it oh, maybe earlier was, maybe in his Maybe that was career. his quietest performance. That was. Yeah. But he was playing, he was character actor. Mm-hmm. Big time. You know? Yeah. It's it's fascinating to get to see him do broad character performances as a leading man. I I agree. Yeah, and I'm hoping that this is kind of like a new stage of his career. I'd like to see him play Winston I, Churchill in every movie. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, we're gonna get the sequel, Good Burger Two, and <laughs> they're, he's gonna have to show up in that. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think Disney just bought the rights Will to. Will Winston Churchill negotiate peace talks with Mondo Burger? Who's to say? I mean, based off of his past actions. <laughs> He's no. going to fight fascism. No. He's going to fight. Kirk from Mondo Burger is going down big time, going down Mondo time, baby. <laughs> when was the last time you watched Mondo Burger? Because you were pulling this out of... Uh, I, twice this year, probably 50 times <laughs> in my life. <laughs> um, so... Do you want to talk about the direction of this movie? Cause we can. I, 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 I wanted to bring that up because you mentioned to me that you were really excited for Joe Wright really early in his career. Joe Wright directed one of my top ten favorite movies of all time, Pride and Prejudice. Oh, sorry. I, lo- <laughs> I love that movie. Uh, I've seen that almost more than any other movie. And that is another you know, British period piece. And even though there is something more elegant and musical about Pride and Prejudice, sure, he shot some of the bigger, and I, like, you know, 
lowercase s, lowercase p set pieces, because yeah. this movie doesn't really have any no. huge things. He shot the set pieces in this movie the same way he shot the set pieces in Pride and Prejudice, where it's like the big scenes in Pride and Prejudice are these gorgeous ballroom scenes with a hundred people, like sweeping cameras, yeah. huge overhead shots. And you open this movie in a very similar way with these huge sweeping shots of parliament, crowded, loud it's rooms. a really good-looking, well-shot movie. Yeah. It, it got the cinematography nomination. Yes. Um, and I totally deserves it. All those scenes in parliament, it's just like a pool of eerie light. And like yeah. it, the, those camera movements are out of this world. They're, they're coming over people and stuff like that. It's a really well-directed movie. You can segment a huge scene like that into smaller scenes where you're sweeping through the crowd and you can just you know, linger on two people talking and then move the camera yeah. to two other people talking. And it, it's one scene. It puts you in the movie, um, which is really effective in this movie specifically because it's a pretty claustrophobic movie. It is. You know, especially when you're in the war room mm-hmm. and you're following Lily James's character in and out of all those rooms. It, it, it feels like you're there because of those really, really well, uh, well-plotted like cinematography choices. She's our entry point to this film. Yes. She's his she's brand new secretary. Surrogate. Yeah, she's... Us, yeah, 100%. And you start the movie, you know, through her eyes, and you don't like Winston Churchill. No, he's a monster. The movie is opened with someone prefacing to her, like, hey, he's very difficult to deal with and gives a laundry list of reasons why he sucks. She goes in and starts typing a letter for him, and he is so hostile that she leaves crying. And it's like, hey, that's the center of our movie. That's what we're going to be spending the whole two hours with, yeah. Um She's she's very a really smart choice to put in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're just kind of following Churchill around and not getting much resonance from it. Right. Um, but throughout the whole movie, he starts to open up and kind of show her a lot of emotion. And by the end, you're starting to see inside his mind, um, which is just it's really impressive having those first couple scenes because I'm the movie opened up and I was like, this guy's awful. Like he's. <laughs> screaming at this girl mm-hmm. there's that scene where he comes out of the bathroom and he's like i'm coming out in a state of nature and it's like dude put some pants on <laughs> like she's a young girl like you're awful and by the end of the movie he has that really really touching talk with her about her brother mm-hmm. um it, and he that kind of humanizes him throughout the whole film um which was nice because i again i don't know much about him All right and now perhaps I know a little we bit. would have a different relationship to this if we had like a uh, you know like a UK reverence for Winston Churchill, but for like us who are not in history, is that what it is? We're just like dumb American people, and we're like, yeah, it's fine, but not for, enough for, explosions. I don't know people who lionize him. It's probably like, you know, it, it would they have an idea of what he's like, sure. and and you get to see a shade of him. But if that's literally our introduction to him, right, as a historical figure, I think that's an interesting way to open the movie. I can agree. I can agree a hundred percent. In Joe Wright's done a lot of um, okay movies, mm-hmm. but he's done a lot of really good movies, and I thought this one was okay. Mm-hmm. But I think this is the worst Joe Wright movie I've seen. It's probably his worst movie, but is one of his best like directed movies yes. as far as how everything looks. And it's not a bad movie, which I guess no. good for him that his worst he, movie is still a pretty good movie. Visualized or made visual interest visually interesting a story that is not inherently visual. I guess no. No, this it's, is a movie about men yelling at each other. Yeah. And he made almost good-looking, exciting action pieces of that. Right. Um, the 
This is 90% two or three men in a room uh, having tense discussions. About, like, peace treaties. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's a a huge bulk of the movie. You don't get really any... You get, like, a two-second shot of some war when they bomb that tower wherever they're hiding out in France. That's it. Mm -hmm. And the rest of the movie is just Winston Churchill saying, I'm not going to do peace treaties with these guys. Flapping his jaws. Flapping them away, winning Oscars with every flap. Melting like a a wax figure in the sun. God. (laughs) Like a big burger milkshake. Good burger. Fuck, I fucked that up. Maybe you should just leave the, uh, maybe leave the good burger references to me. Apparently, you're a master. Burger head. Um, So I wanted to talk about uh, the Kristen Th- Scott Thomas role, which was mm-hmm. cl- Clemmy, mm-hmm. I think. I would have loved this movie if it was more, if she was in it more. She's got like two or three scenes, and mm-hmm. she's just like a monster. She's amazing in this movie. Yeah, she sits with the most powerful figure in this movie and just belittles him. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen her in a movie before, which shame on me. Uh, but she's she kills it in this movie. She's been in a lot. I don't have anything offhand, but she's like a. a Working, she, I feel like she's one of those. Oh, that yeah. actress. Um, she gave a magnetic speech to uh, him and their children mm-hmm. uh, to congratulate him on becoming prime minister, and she is congratulating him, but congratulating her and her children for dealing, dealing with, with him. having to accept that they are a smaller part of his life than his public figurehood yeah yeah and that that's what they had to live with you know they're all smiling and it's a little bit of a grit your teeth fuck you smile even though they are genuinely happy that he's prime minister but also she's saying like well we're gonna get our due this is our you know we this is paying off for us too right right which they deserve yeah and i would have i you you get enough from lily james's point of view i think and i think if we got a little bit more from her it, this movie would be on another level for me. Absolutely. Because um, Gary Oldman is putting in a really good performance, but it's also a almost cartoonish performance. Yes. And when you're getting grounded by Lily James's point of view and Kristen Scott Thomas's point of view, it's it's starting to solidify him as an actual person, right? Um, which I don't feel like he is. And yeah. I, I'll be honest, I, even watching this movie like kind of made me realize like, my whole life, I've always been like, oh, yeah, Winston Churchill, he's that like, angry British dude. Like, I don't, like, he's kind of a cartoon character in my head. Yeah. Um, there was only room for one cartoon character in this movie. And I think it's smart that they didn't have anyone else play over the top. Right. Or play it silly. Everyone played it straight, and Gary Oldman got to romp around, which is what he does best and what people want to see him yeah, do. You, yeah, you go to Gary Oldman movie, this is exactly what you want. You want that speech of him talking about not putting your head in a tiger's mouth. like No, for old heads, this is like the quintessential movie. Are you an old head? Huh? I'm an old head. I would say I'm an old head. I stand for Gary Oldman. I don't, I've never disliked Gary Oldman. I don't think I've ever... like Even when he's doing his like most hammy of hammy performances, I love it. Like I live in it. I think I, Leon the Professional was like a perfect example of that. Sure. That's a really, it's a really good movie where he's... He's completely on another level than everyone else in the movie. They're all pretty reserved and doing their own thing, and he's just dancing in the hallways, shooting up kids. It's it's he's nuts in that movie. He's good when he plays young and energetic and hammy. Mm-hmm. You know, like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. He's good when he plays like reserved dad hammy, like in Batman. 
Yeah. And then he's also fun when he plays old man curmudgeon. Hammy. He's yeah, he he's a he's, big ham sandwich. I think he's the like the ideal chameleon that we have in Hollywood right now. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of them, but I feel like he's number one. Um, do you want to take a quick break? I think so. Sounds Collect good. our thoughts about Good Burger, and uh, we'll come and, and talk about how man. it performed at the <laughs> 2017. Yeah, we can definitely Oscar start talking ceremony. about the those Oscars and Good Burger. It's a really low bar. You wanted to talk more about some some Joe Wright action? I would like to talk about that we ate at Chili's right before this, and I want you to tell me whether or not you liked eating at Chili's better than watching this movie three times. Yes. I liked eating at Chili's once, just having cheddar cheese bites. Would you rather eat at Chili's three times than watch this movie once? No. No, I would rather have... (laughs) This is a weird line of questioning I'm uncomfortable with. I want to put it in perspective. No, you want to figure out where I'm at? For all the chili heads and the old heads, uh, how they can compare and contrast. I would say if I had chilies one time, Mm -hmm. and I had to watch this movie three times, Mm -hmm. which is the reality I'm living in. Yes. I wouldn't want to do that again. No. Let me go back. Let me have like one more order of those cheddar cheese bite boys. Yes. Let me just see this movie in theaters Mm -hmm. and have a good enough memory where I don't have to watch it three times because that's the real problem. Had I not watched the movie this morning... I wouldn't know what movie we'd be talking about. You could have gotten me on Good Burger for the whole episode. I think my ideal date is Chili's, Darkest Hour, Chili's, Darkest Hour, Chili's, Darkest Hour. So why aren't we dating? Three times back to back to back. Because that would because be an 18-hour can... day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying I'm, I'm single and ready to mingle with some Chili's. I'm, I'm chilly and ready to... Stop it. So talk about Joe Wright, please. Uh, I think what I would like to talk about with Joe Wright is that I am fascinated by the types of projects he continues to pick because he oscillates between doing these original projects and doing these kind of uh, either British period pieces or adaptations because he's got Pride and Prejudice and Anna Karenina and uh, Pan and this, but then he also does adaptations like Atonement. And it's interesting to me what he feels like he can apply his directing style and visual style it's to. It's specific. Yeah. It's he's got a when did when did Pride and Prejudice come out? 2005. So, he's been working for a minute. Mm-hmm. And he seems to kind of just go back to the same aesthetic yes. for each movie. I think Pan and Hannah kind of stand out as like mm-hmm. Oh, Joe Wright did Hannah's that. Hannah's the one I always forget about. Honestly. I like I like Hannah a lot. Um Obviously, he liked working with Saoirse Ronan, mm-hmm. uh, but 
he's got a weird niche that he kind of sticks to. Shared cinematic universe. Hannah and Darkest Hour. We're throwing Hannah in there now. And the King's Speech and Dunkirk. <laughs> Thank you. And Dunkirk. And Dunkirk. Um, but you're right. You're right. It is very interesting that he kind of... For, for Zack Snyder of British... Wow. Dude, yeah. No, I'm all on board for that. He's the Zack Snyder of like British period pieces. Dark, sweeping. Uh, in his later period, a lot of gray. Very gray. Uh, this movie's very gray. Views. It is. It's a, like a mucky movie. Especially like earlier on where you had Pride and Prejudice and Atonement, which were these like green, lush, mm-hmm. natural feeling movies. Yeah, he kind of just threw all that out the window. And now he just deals in these, like, dense, dark, claustrophobic right. movies. Well, I guess Pan is another exception. That was pretty bright-looking. I didn't see Pan. I'm was, not gonna, I saw it, not gonna uh, and I could have not seen it, and that's fine, too. You know what's it's crazy? Is Peter Pan is 100% my favorite Disney property, character, whatever. I'm obsessed. I think it's the best. I see every Peter Pan movie that comes out, and I saw the trailer for that, and was like, ooh, that's a hard pass for me. I'm not going to go that. <laughs> I could have done without it, probably. Well, and I could have done could without have done two without more it. viewings of A Darkest Hour, but here we are. I'm fascinated to see how Joe Wright directs movies differently than his brother uh, like did with Scott Pilgrim. Wait, hold on. Are you, is this a bit? That Edgar Wright and Joe Wright direct so differently, even though they are twins. I did, gonna, is that true? No, it is not. Okay, I hate you. <laughs> yes, it is, but don't Google it. <laughs> okay, okay, I got you. I'm going to take your word on it because you're a good friend of mine and I trust you. If Edgar Wright directed The Darkest Hour... It would be the craziest thing you've ever seen. Who would you have in the lead? As would it Churchill? be Nick Frost or would it be Simon Pegg? It would be Michael Sarah. Interesting. I was going to say Ansel Elgort. <laughs> Nick Frost as Winston Churchill would be the worst thing that's happened to me since watching Darkest watch Hour three times. I would watch a six-episode BBC series of that. Okay. And what's our connective tissue, aside from them both being uh, rights? Lily James, Baby Driver. Good call. Into Darkest Good. Hour. You brought it all the way around, and we'll never talk about Baby Driver again. <laughs> <laughs> Lily James has been in a lot lately. She has. She's been working. I like her a lot. She's she got a cool an energy to her. run on uh, Downton Abbey. And she's working a ton. She does. She works a lot. She was in like three movies this year. Yeah. Alone. Um, she's got that screen presence where it's like even when she's not talking. Because a lot of this movie is her either observing or documenting the action. Yeah. She doesn't have a lot of dialogue. No. Um, especially when you pair her up right and put her right next to Gary Oldman who is just spewing speeches every 15 right. minutes. But you're still glued to her watching her type I agree. it up. I agree. She's she's fascinating in everything that I've seen her in. Um I didn't uh, – I'm very impressed with her because of her accent in uh, Baby Driver. Yes. Because in Baby Driver, she's like this cute little southern belle, mm-hmm. and she plays a completely different character in this. And it's not like a drastic change, but it's just subtle enough to where you're like, damn, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty damn good. I'm impressed. I think that for a lot of this movie, you know, as we know that Churchill is a revered and complicated historical figure – he is behaving in ways where, as I'm watching it, I'm like, how am I supposed to feel about this? And Joe Wright can cut to Lily James for two seconds. And based on whether or not you know she's bright-eyed or whether or not she's furrowed, I know, like, oh, this is going well. Right. Or this is acceptable behavior from yeah, someone like this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
and there's there's a lot of characters in this movie who you're you're seeing the movie through, but Lily James is kind of the one who you're like, oh, that's a real human being. Mm-hmm. You know, you're getting a lot of these little cuts of Halifax and uh, the other the other guy who gets Card fired again. What's his name? Neville. Long love. Not Long Bottom. <laughs> I don't know. Chamberlain. Boom, baby. Chamberlain. Here Neville we go. Chamberlain. Neville um, Chamberlain. Yeah, well, Neville the Stilt Chamberlain. He. <laughs> <laughs> He uh, shared cinematic universe with the NBA. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> this is the worst thing. The that's darkest ever happened. hour. This is my darkest hour, and it's been happening for like seven hours. <laughs> um, you get a lot of viewpoints where you're you're cutting to those two having a meeting, mm-hmm. and they're talking so negatively about Churchill. Yeah, and you, I'm for a lot of the lot of it. I'm like, yeah, they're kind of right. Like. If, if you put yourself in those shoes, I mean, retroactively looking back at it, you can be like, okay, don't enter into peace talks. Nazis are the worst. But, like, that was the first time they had to deal with that. Right. So these guys are kind of just looking out for their country. Um, it's easy in hindsight to know what the right move was. But right. at the time, they do a great job of, like, making a narrative about should we, shouldn't we? Will they, won't they? Right. Yeah. And, I mean, that kind of loops around. Again, I would love a more weaponized version of this movie, but it's yeah. not an American film. No. And I'm being selfish. So let's go ahead and switch over to a little bit of Oscar talk. Because for this first season, we're kind of letting the 2018 Oscars guide us through what movies yeah. we're talking about. Um, it's a great lineup of movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really excited to talk about any other of them. <laughs> um, so this movie got nominated for six categories. Yes. Uh, best Picture, Lead Actor, Makeup, Cinematography, Costume Design, and... Production design. Sure. Okay. It won makeup, which rightly so. Mm-hmm. Right with a W. It won best actor, which I I would push against. I Daniel Day-Lewis was acting this year, so that kind of is like a default for me. I think, and we can talk about this you know, we in will. Our, our Oscar episode, but I think it would have been an unheard of precedent to give Daniel Day-Lewis a fourth Best Actor Oscar. There were two other options. There's three, I guess. Mm-hmm. Aside from you, you, you give Daniel Day-Lewis a fourth Oscar, and it's just... I mean, he's already solidified as one of the greatest, but, like, come on. Timothy Chalamet would have been the youngest Oscar winner of all time, mm-hmm. and he his performance in that movie was my absolute favorite of the year. I can stand by that. And you also had Daniel Kaluuya, Kaluuya, Kaluuya mm-hmm. who... He's, again, really young. He's in his early 20s in a movie that was, like, so socially, like, resonant that year. You know, I I would have loved to have seen any of them win. And then they were like, no, just give it to the old white guy playing an old white guy. a computer could have generated. It's like, it's a mad lib. Uh, Joe Wright, Gary Oldman, Winston Churchill. Yep, give it the Oscar. Yeah, without looking at the other movies, which is a shame. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Denzel also got nominated for a movie that I didn't see. Yes, but virtuosity. No, <laughs> uh, I think I was surprised that they did not uh, have any nominations for the music because I thought that was fantastic. Great score. The score. The gentleman who does it, his name escapes me, but he does all of Joe Wright's movies. Okay, and they're all they all are great. Orchestral. Yes. You know, it, I'm it, thinking about the Atonement score right now, and that's haunting. Very haunting. Yeah, I own the Pride and Prejudice score on vinyl. Cool, that's a good <laughs> and score I to own. To it. It's yeah. good. He does this thing where, much in the way, or in service of Joe Wright's 
direction when it is big and moving overhead shots yeah. of crowds it is sweeping orchestral violins and when it's small it's like you know the right half of a piano yes just yeah. kind of twinkling through it twinkling is a great word i i really think that this score could have been nominated there was a couple of I the three billboard score can go piss off mm-hmm. it was like just some yelling lady there's a lot of room for that um, it wouldn't have won, in my opinion, but no, but it's it a deserved great score. to be in the running. I agree. Yep. I think uh, costume design, production design, and makeup are always categories that Joe Wright films monopolize because well, he makes beautiful period pieces. His movies look amazing always. Pride it, and every- Prejudice, Anna Karenina, Hannah. They mm-hmm. have atonement less so maybe, but they he makes movies that are inherently yeah production design heavy and costume heavy. Yeah, yeah, and they typically throw it at him like that. Um, the makeup in this movie is outstanding. I, yes. it, you can see it's Gary Oldman in his eyes, but he looks like Tr- Churchill. I felt like parts of it, it kind of looked like an SNL sketch. Did you really? I think that <laughs> there were parts of it, especially when they got him in the daylight. I was like... Wasn't working for you? No, but as soon as that. it was a little dim and, 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 you know, the parliament scenes is where it really shined, I think. That's the perfect sure, atmosphere. Sure, Okay, okay. I can get behind that. I... um. The, the last little bit I wanted to talk about was the production of this movie, the production yeah. design. This, the sets in this movie are unbelievable. Bre- they're breathtaking. Yeah, there's a there's a scene early in the movie where you're getting one of those Joe Wright sweeping. It is just of the streets, mm-hmm. and you're seeing all these kids run around. But the buildings in the back are so like dirty and old London yes. looking. It, it's the scene on the tube where he goes into the oh, subway for scene. the first yeah. time. It captures that early 40s London underground very well. Yeah. Which you take for granted that that would be easy to do, but it doesn't look fake. No. It looks very authentic. No, it looks very good. And I think in terms of, you know, kind of stuff to wrap up for the Oscars, this movie was nominated for Best Picture and not nominated for Best Director. I Yeah, and which is... What does it speak to? Right. I... If there's one thing I really liked about this movie, it's probably the direction. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit of a shame. But they typically cut it down to like five, and there were some damn good directed movies. So I get you got to cut some fat. Were. It's always frustrating because you, you're telling your movie-going audience that we think the sum of the parts is better than anything individually. Right. And the things that they were individually interested in were production, makeup, costume, acting. Which those are kind of like the... Well, not the acting, but all those other, you know, the sound designs and stuff. Those are kind of the pat on the head. Your movie looked good. Yeah. But wasn't good enough. Um, but this movie kind of hit both with the Best Picture nom and get, getting Gary Oldman that Oscar. Fine movie. Yeah. Don't want to watch it again for no. another three or four years. No, and then I I'll think have a six-hour marathon. I, I, if you have never seen this, I think you could watch the last ten minutes of it, and that would be enough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the last ten minutes are the whole movie. Just summarize really quick, you know? Um, I could watch a drunk history version of this. Okay, ca- really quick, cast it. Cast it. Uh, Keenan Thompson as Winston Churchill. Cast it without uh, the good burger. <laughs> I'll let you keep Keenan Thompson as, as Churchill. You, how can you? I can keep Keenan? Yeah. Lily James would be Laurie Beth Denver. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Oh, God. Okay. Is Danny Tamborelli playing the king? I'm going to throw Danny Tamborelli in as the wife. Okay. 
And since I have to stay outside, I was going to throw Abe Vigoda in as Halifax, but I can't do Good Burger Actors. Uh, so I'm going to go with Josh Sir. Oh, no, he's in Good Burger, too. <laughs> <laughs> shit, shit, shit. I, I want to go on record. What character, what character I, are you casting? Um, I'll I would, finish. I'll, I'll bring us home strong, I promise. The gentleman with the uh, white handkerchief. Who puts it to his Neville head. Chamberlain? <laughs> yes. Okay, we're we're really in the pocket right now. With Neville like... Longbottom is Neville Chamberlain. Okay, I don't know that actor's name at all. I don't either. We had a really good theme there where you were just sticking with the Nickelodeon squad, and I was going to throw Summer Sanders oh. at you. Oh my God! Give me Summer Sanders any day of the week in any role. Let Alrighty. Summer Sanders direct this movie. Why? She's a <laughs> swimmer. <laughs> and a host of a game show. Oh, not anymore. Rest She's in a peace. utility player. And she's still alive, and may she live a hundred long years. We got to wrap it up. We're getting the cue. Let's just really quickly sticks the landing for you. It 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 sticks it. I'm gonna be rude and say it doesn't. It fricks it. it what stuck or sucks? <laughs> stuck or sucks? It's stuck for you. It sucks for me. I think it stuck the landing, and the rest of the movie sucked. <laughs> okay, that's you know what? That's I'm on board with that. <laughs> you you've convinced me. I'm on board with that. Um, that was a lot of fun. It for, sucks. It fucks, and we had a good time. For for me, having to watch six hours of it, that was <laughs> probably the the most fun I could have with that movie. Um, and uh, to six hours more, my friend. <laughs> Lord no. All right. Well, again, I'm James. I'm Devin. Thank you for listening.